You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 66, Cold Case. Summary. In a world where Aizawa hates almost everything, what rises to the top? The morgue is exactly how it always is. Cold, dingy, and everything lifeless about it replaced with the energy of one lively mortician. While the light of day rarely makes it down here, today it makes for a lovely respite from biting summer heat. Eraser! To what do I owe the pleasure? Kuwabar is filling out paperwork behind a desk piled high with an assortment of files and autopsy instruments, not all of which look clean. Aizawa supposes she doesn't have to worry about the risk of infection for her patients down here. Need a body, Aizawa answers concisely, which naturally provokes the mortician to break into peals of raucous laughter. Well, you came to the right place. There's something distinct about Kuwabara's presence in this dire containment. Her wiry red hair and broad matronly build of a woman who has seen and done all there is to do that's worth doing. That such a being chooses to spend her time cutting up dead people says a lot about the world. What can I do for you? Fresh, Aizawa specifies, and Hitoshi is undeniably smirking at his elbow. Kiki remained upstairs while Sakachi, apparently not falling over herself to go shopping for corpses like her son is. This also gives her and the detective a little extra time to hash out the details with Sugiyama, which, as the mastermind of the press angle, is well within Kiki's domain. Preferably someone easy to carry. You going somewhere? You know I just can't lose bodies. Kuwabara stops writing and sticks her pen into her bun, getting up from the desk to clomp over in thick-soled working shoes. Need you to lose at least one. Call it a favor. As I was running up a lot of those, but he's sure he must have done something for Kuwabara to be owed it or he'll do something eventually to qualify as paying it off. Kuwabara narrows her hazel eyes, gaze darting between Aizawa and Hitoshi, like she can figure their plan out just by looking. What's this for? We're planning something. Aizawa tries to keep it light on details, but doesn't get very far. We're staging a murder, Hitoshi throws in. So ideally, someone who died without leaving marks on the body. A blank canvas, you know. Aizawa hates how much sense that makes, while Hitoshi thinks for a moment longer, then adds, And do you have any blood? Kuwabara gives one of her distinctive sea lion laughs. Why, you thirsty? Need to put on a proper show, Hitoshi answers slyly. And if Aizawa's not mistaken, he's enjoying leaning into the whole creepy killer-in-the-pretend-making bit. Hitoshi certainly seems to like giving people the willies, exploiting those wrong assumptions about him 
as a petard to hoist the mechanic with. Now it's just on a whole new level. We can make do if you don't, though. Oh no, I've got pints of the stuff. It's frozen, but give it a little while and it'll thaw right out. Kuwabara heads to a large freezer at the back of the room and swings the door open. Aizawa's sure he sees body parts crammed in there along with bags of ice as she pulls out a bound stack of pouches and plods back over to Aizawa and Hitoshi, tossing them with a heavy thunk onto the bare autopsy table. What are you keeping blood in a, the freezer down here for? Aizawa finds himself curious enough to ask. For situations like this, of course. Kuwabara cordles. Never know when that stuff's going to come in handy. Uh, right. Hitoshi might actually be getting outweirded on this one, but takes it in his stride. What kind of bodies have you got? Hmm, let's see. Kuwabara starts to patrol along the wall of morgue drawers, inspecting the tags in each window before stopping on one. Here we go. He came in yesterday from a heart attack. With a grunt, she hauls the drawer out, and a man of at least 80 rolls out on the cold metal tray of the body drawer. We said fresh, Hitoshi scorns. He is fresh. Died less than a day ago, I'll have you know. Well, we need something fresher, Hitoshi returns. Preferably not a hundred years old. It has to be someone whose life has been cut short. It's such a small thing to specify, but Aizawa hates the connecting thought. That to convince Dr. Shinso his murderous son is for real, it has to be in cold blood. No mercy killings here. Yeesh! Kuwabara whistles, reaching for one of the pens in her hair to scratch her scalp with in a moment of contemplation. You're kind of fucked up, kid, you know that? Maybe Hitoshi's winning in the weirdness trials after all. Oh yeah, <laughs> Hitoshi snorts. As a matter of fact, I hear it all the time. For Hitoshi, the stranger thing is being treated like a hero, which has every fiber of Aizawa's being screaming with the injustice. How and why is this the best expression of Hitoshi's heroic potential? infuriates Aizawa, and if it wasn't for Hitoshi's own plan, there's no way he'd allow it in a million years. He's barely allowing it now. Kuwabara gets back to perusing, and the otherwise jovial smile from her face disappears when she reads the next tag. How about this one? With a clatter, the drawer rolls back, revealing a young woman of perhaps 20 or 30 beautiful and pristine on the table. Hitoshi's not smirking anymore either. What happened to her? Boyfriend found out she was cheating and smothered her with a pillow. Kuwabara replies with a bite like a guard dog seeing down intruders. Don't know what the fuck's wrong with some people. Aizawa doesn't either, and his temper's no lessened for this new proof of everything wrong with mankind. Just in case Hitoshi needed a reminder of what could have become of Mrs. Shimizu if she hadn't turned the tables on her husband. 
Hitoshi's watching solemnly with saucer eyes wide and soulful, which is when Kuwabara offers a conciliatory, we'll get the bastard though. But it's not much of a prize, is it? If the bastard's still alive and here's the victim on the table. As I was hit with a new wave of determination for why he does what he does, and is glad that someone was there to see this one through, that this girl's killer didn't get away and need hunting down when Aizawa's got bigger fish to fry. If the situation was different, this is exactly the kind of case he'd take on, but it's not the scenario they're in. Much worse, really. Quietly, as if speaking over a grave, which isn't far from the truth, Hitoshi murmurs, she's perfect. Aizawa hates how he's right. After checking this repurposed victim's autopsy report hasn't been released yet, and the next of kin who will need to be hushed up, Kuwabara and Aizawa bag up Hitoshi's next victim-to-be in a heavy-duty body bag while Hitoshi gets a smaller carrier bag to fill with frozen blood. Aizawa hadn't considered that they'd need separate blood, even though it makes perfect sense and he supposes the real deal is better than any fake. If the corpse weren't a corpse, this would be a great deal easier, but between the dead weight and tail end of rigor, break, rigor mortis that's slowly giving way to the body's natural breakdown, Aizawa's got a bit of a problem on his hands as he lumbers up the morgue stairs heavily, the body bag over his shoulder. Hitoshi takes the head end once or twice to guide Aizawa, but it's hard to help in such a confinement and the quicker they're up the stairs, the better. Despite his best efforts, he knocks against the narrow walls more than a few times, letting out the odd grunt of exertion and frustration. The things wrong with this situation are all of it. As if that's not bad enough, they've barely made it into the hallway of the police station when Hitoshi almost crashes straight into Yamaguchi, both walking determinedly in opposite directions. Hitoshi bowls forward, then reins himself back just short of colliding with the rookie cop as she races around the corner, a swaying stalk of tufty purple grass that backs up for Yamaguchi to come and face them both. Oh, there you are! Yamaguchi pipes up energetically. Your mother is looking for you. She said she's waiting in the lobby. Unburdened from faithfully delivering her message, Yamaguchi chances looking behind Hitoshi and notices Aizawa standing with a giant, suspicious bag over his shoulder. Uh, what's that? Special delivery. Aizawa answers ahead of Hitoshi. Don't worry about it. Yamaguchi looks like she does worry about it, but doesn't know what to say when Hitoshi gently lures her attention back in his direction. Thanks, Yankumi, he says. And though he doesn't reach for her, Aizawa feels a surge of mentalist energy that goes out in her direction, even if Yamaguchi seems totally indifferent to it. Whatever she is, if she has a quirk at all, it's quite clearly not in the least bit mental. Because, Aizawa were the, because if Aizawa were the focus of those powerful waves rolling off Hitoshi right now, there's no way he'd be unaffected. But when that doesn't work, what does seem to affect Yamaguchi is Hitoshi's follow-up. How are you getting on? It's been a bit. 
crazy lately. That's a word for it. Not Aizawa's word, but a word all the same. Oh, I... well, it's... all right. Yamaguchi forces a smile and looks down at her hands. Glasses glinting in the fluorescent lights over their heads. Aizawa swears. Maybe it's just because he's listening for it, tuning to that frequency only Hitoshi hits. But the whole corridor is rocking with the swell of Hitoshi's surging empathy converging on her. I never really expected something like this to happen in my first couple weeks on the job. I bet you didn't. It's weird from Aizawa's perspective, because if he were the focus of this silent emotional outcry from Hitoshi, he'd have already wrapped the teen up in a fierce bear hug by now. But Yamaguchi's missing the signals, and it makes Aizawa's skin itch, as if the broadcast is getting more intense the more it's being ignored. Not to worry, though, Yamaguchi picks up cheerfully, and whether she's gotten the message or not, reaches out to pat Hitoshi on the shoulder. My boyfriend just got back from a work trip and is picking me up after my shift ends today, so that's something to look forward to. Your boyfriend. Hitoshi echoes like the words have gone around the inside of an iceberg before emerging his mouth. Nothing showing above that tiny tip breaking the surface. The signal flare of come hither Shinso effect energy dies off almost instantly which has Aizawa blinking and shaking his head as if to clear the haze like smoke. Of course. That's nice. Aizawa doesn't think anything of... Aizawa doesn't think anything Hitoshi's doing is deliberate, but so help the kid if he learns how to harness it that way. Maybe it's just how sensitive Aizawa has become to him, that forced attunement that Awaya encouraged between them as a way of awakening Aizawa's long-neglected mentalist faculties. He wonders if it'd stop if he used his quirk on Hitoshi, assuming it falls under the broad spectrum of his quirk. That might be a little hard to explain, though. Why Aizawa needs to erase Hitoshi's natural charm, because it's befuddling when he's concentrating on not dropping the dead body over his shoulder. Anyway, I'm... are you sure there's nothing I can do to help? Yamaguchi resumes with her effervescent pluck clearly immune to any such currents under the surface, or even on the surface, given the way she's blushed and flustered around Hitoshi before. Aizawa would wonder how her only-just-now-mentioned boyfriend factors into that equation, but it gives him a headache even trying to contemplate, so he doesn't. It looks kinda heavy. It's fine. Aizawa steps back when Yamaguchi edges forward which is way too suspicious, but can't be helped. If she recognizes a body bag, which she probably does, the least they can manage is not to give her the ultimate confirmation of what's inside. We're all right, Yankumi. Hitoshi insists as his gaze sinks into sleepy indifference. Have fun with your boyfriend. You deserve it. There's no outright sarcasm in there, Hitoshi's mature enough to not be that obvious, but Aizawa can anticipate his tinge of disappointment. However, the look Hitoshi gives Aizawa when he looks around and whispers, Don't say a goddamn word without his lips ever moving. Let's get going. Ma's waiting.
Aizawa nods and manages to navigate his unwieldy cargo past Yamaguchi without getting too close. And if carrying a body bag through a police station on lockdown could be considered foolish, then they're fools. The lobby is quiet under the strict new controls placed on who gets in and out, given the fanatical mob parked outside. So Kiki and Sakachi are the only people in there when Aizawa and Hitoshi come through the doors to the bland hallway lined with seats beyond the front desk, with a single bored clerk sitting at it. By the looks of it, Kiki and the detective are waiting in silence. Or, to put it better, listening to the show outside, as the songbird warbling of Hizashi comes to a conclusion, as I was not at all surprised to hear has veered straight into 80s power ballads. Turn around, bright eyes. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for coming out tonight, everyone. I'm here all week. See you next Tuesday. The reaction from an audience that's probably mixed parts encouraging to disparaging gets louder for a moment as the police station doors open, and Hizashi swans in with a beaming smile and pinpoints Aizawa across the room at once before casting a wider net around to the others. Tough crowd, huh? Hizashi sweeps a sheen of sweat off his forehead and makes a beeline over to where Kiki's sitting while Aizawa and Hitoshi do the same, getting the gang back together as they review next steps, plus a dead body. Is that what I think it is? Kiki asks with her eyes on the bag over Aizawa's shoulder. You don't want to know, Aizawa warns, even though he knows she's going to find out sooner or later. He wishes he didn't know. But that's not really the way things work in the Shinso family, so Hitoshi casually adds, Just some girl who was murdered by her dick boyfriend. Kiki's mouth tightens into a thin, tense line, but what she says in the end is nothing Aizawa expects. Pretty? For a dead chick, Hitoshi replies morbidly. And even Sakachi's finding this one a little past the limits of propriety, as far as mother-son talks go. The empty lobby feels too conspicuous for this conversation, as if the walls themselves must have ears and eyes to replace all the normal people who'd otherwise be hanging around waiting to be seen. Aizawa wonders what's been done with them, if they've been moved elsewhere in the station or simply sent away to another entirely. It's no coincidence that this branch, being the focus of the Death Note killer investigation, is the one overwhelmed by the masses in support of Shioko's so-called justice for victims. Much like the one resting over Aizawa's shoulder. The Death Note killer's bloody revenge didn't do much for her, did it? But try telling that to the mob outside. Does that make a difference? Sakachi questions with a suspicion like coffee made too bitter, even for Aizawa. To my husband, it does, Kiki answers, while a distant tapping of heels draws closer. And if Aizawa listens for it, he can sense that mentalist signature like the beam of a lighthouse. Whatever he's on today, his natural aptitude for reading those signals is through the roof. So he knows it before they do. Masaru always liked them. 
This is the very point at which the door into the lobby opens, and in sweeps Dr. Awaya, like the fragrance of jasmine carried on a nighttime breeze. Beautiful. Kiki finishes, but it's quiet, fading away as her light lilac gaze locks down on Awaya across the room. Ah, there you are. Sakachi stands up with a smile, not seeming to clock why Awaya has frozen in her steps. And he's a mentalist too, so he should be registering the noise like a freighter's horn blaring from Kiki, which settles the question of whether she knows who Awaya is. As Owl would try out using his cork on Kiki at this point too, but it'd be obvious again. And if anyone's within their rights to glare a few daggers in Awaya's direction, it's surely Kiki. If the initial burst of mentalist energy from Kiki was a low, droning horn that felt like it shook Aizawa's brain in his skull, he ought to ask Awaya if there's a way to switch this damn sense off or he's going to end up with a headache. It fades away quickly, becoming as deathly silent as the room is on all audible frequencies. Kiki, Aizawa, and Hitoshi are all watching Awaya, and there's no question that Awaya also knows exactly who Kiki is. Why wouldn't she? Are you all right? Zakachi walks all the way to Awaya, and absolutely no one misses the hand he lays on her arm. You look like you've seen a ghost. Aizawa imagines it's not far off. Hazashi's clearly missing a few pieces here, but has enough of a read of the room to keep his mouth shut for the moment, eyeing Aizawa for indicative tell you later miming in return. So the empty stage of the lobby has nothing to fight for carrying Awaya's pastel voice across the room. I forgot something in my office, Awaya says timidly, already stepping backwards so her arm slips from Sakachi's hold. I'll just go back and get it. And as quickly as she was there, she's gone again, leaving a bemused Sakachi in her wake. Strange. I didn't think she was going to spook like that. The detective muses as he turns back around, but pauses when he sees the steel bolt of a look on Kiki's face. Sakachi has all the same information that Aizawa does. Should know that 16 years ago, Awaya was the other woman to Kiki's husband. The very killer they're hunting. But perhaps he thought 16 years was a long time in former relationships, and underestimated exactly how fresh certain wounds might still be. A little wishful thinking on his part, if that hand on Awaya's arm was any indication. Hizashi finally pierces the quiet with a wry, friend of yours, that's directed straight to Kiki, because if there's anyone who can get away with asking her something like this, it's him. Not exactly, Kiki replies mystically, then, like the game is past the parcel, turns to her son to remark, I see why you like her. Tatoshi, being of 16 years of age and in the company of his mother, takes exactly no time at all to retort with a contrary, do not, like he dropped the one off the front of his age and hopped straight back to being six. 
but that knee-jerk reaction aside, he follows up with a much firmer, She got fucked over by him too, you know. Kiki's voice is slightly scratchy from long years of stressed cigarettes, and Aizawa hears the remorse in every hoarse tone as her misty eyes return to the door Awaya vanished through. I know. A moment of reverent silence lasts and passes, because Aizawa's got a dead body on his back, so this drama is all well and good, but he'd love to be done with this burden sooner rather than later. Are you two going somewhere? He asks Sakachi, knowing the answer is yes, but expecting a little more than that in return. To the hospital. Sakachi doesn't hesitate to share. Dr. Awaya has been rehabilitating the recovered victims. Some are almost functional, functional enough to be witnesses. Aizawa can imagine they make a good pair in an interview, the powerful empath and the human lie detector. Learn anything useful? Aizawa doesn't need the full rundown, but he wouldn't mind the bullet points. No breakthroughs yet. Sakachi slips his hands into his pockets. Hanging by the door, Awaya will come back through, only once the rest of them are gone. The most we got was that Shioka wants them to leave the city, maybe even the country, but Dr. Shinso's refusing to go. Not without us. Hitoshi leaves like a piece of punctuation at the end of the statement. It's terrible, but also why Aizawa's standing around with a body over his shoulder. This Frankenstein's monster of a family. We should get going. Aizawa shifts his cargo uncomfortably to demonstrate the point, but it's clearly all too straightforward for this diabolical plan. Don't we need another distraction? Hitoshi points out. It wouldn't hurt, as I was forced to admit. Being caught smuggling a body out of the police station would fuck this part of the scheme up rather a lot. Unfortunately. Hitoshi turns to Hizashi, who offers a shrug and evasive, Don't look at me. They weren't exactly screaming for an encore out there. Screaming, yes, but not the good kind. Wasn't what I had in mind. Hitoshi wears a look of cunning and turns next to his ma. Think it's time to stir up some trouble? Kiki lets out a sigh through her nose that Aizawa understands instantly. Because it's her distaste, rather than Hitoshi's vaguer insinuation, that actually tips his understanding over the edge. You don't mean... If I'm supposed to be the prime suspect in a copycat killing case... Might as well start acting like it, right? Hitoshi is making perfect sense, which is the absolute worst part about it. But then I can't go with you, Aizawa finds himself saying, with his brain only informed of this once his mouth is already moving. That Shinso effect kicks good and strong, especially when the press and fanatical fans of goddamn serial killers are involved. I can. Kiki responds, and when Aizawa's dummy mouth opens to argue, she cuts him off with a razor wire. I hope you aren't about to suggest I can't protect my own son. Aizawa shuts his mouth. I can look after myself, you know, Hitoshi adds before the silence prickles 
and Aizawa and Kiki share a tense look that agrees on one thing at least, disagreeing with Hitoshi on that front. Then it's settled. Hizashi bleats like the referee in a volleyball game. You two out the front, and I'll help this one getting the stiff through the back door. Hizashi's grinning at Aizawa because he knows exactly what he's doing. And it absolutely shouldn't be as funny as it is, stupid. And it's really stupid. Aizawa's not in the mood, supposedly, and is overly conscious of their best behavior required company to boot. So he doesn't respond in a, in a much crude way he might have otherwise, but bites his cheek and murmurs, famous last words. Oh, you! Hizashi guffaws, flapping a hand at Aizawa before he broadens his broadcast to the others. We'll meet up around the back once you shake the crowd. Easier said than done, Aizawa warns. And because he apparently has to allow this one, he's going to find some way of satisfying his protective instinct. We'll stay to watch you go, just in case. Nothing's going to happen. Hitoshi interjects, before Aizawa can materialize the thought. But he's not getting off that easy. Just in case anything happens. Aizawa plows through like the stubborn ass he is. And since they're going to be here a while, bothers to put the body down. Conveniently, as they're next to a whole line of chairs, the obvious thing to do is set the body down in a seat like a living person might, excusing the thick black body bag zipped around the poor girl who didn't agree to any of this. Which reminds Aizawa they need to confirm her family's cooperation before their all-coordinated shit hits the fan. Fuck. What a mess. Hey, Sakachi. He asks while he's stabilizing the body not to slump over when left unattended. We got this body on loan from Kuwabara. Can you make sure everyone who needs to be informed is on board before she turns up in the news? I'll touch base with Kuwabara, but I'm sure she wouldn't let you do anything that'd cause her too much trouble. The detective answers more cheerfully than anyone should ever discuss such morbid material. But by this point, they're pretty much overwhelmed with it. She doesn't know the extent of what we're planning to do yet, Hitoshi points out forebodingly, handing over his carrier bag of blood to Aizawa before nodding to his ma. Let's go. Kiki stands and brushes the front of her jeans before sweeping a few stray hairs back against her head, the functional ponytail hanging down just past her shoulders, much shorter than Hizashi's own snakes down his back. Aizawa can't believe he only just noticed how similarly they're dressed today, at least until Hizashi threw half his hero gear on. Trust Hitoshi's ma to automatically like Hizashi a thousand times more than she'll ever like Aizawa. I don't like this. Aizawa grouses as he falls into place behind Hitoshi and Kiki, while without a word, Hizashi's hand slips into his own. They're just behind Hitoshi and Kiki, so they probably can't tell but the squeeze is reassuring, if the rest of the group's reaction isn't. Oh, really? We hadn't noticed. Hitoshi shoots before tossing back a wry look over his shoulder, though his eyes quickly sink down to catch on Aizawa and Hizashi's connected hands. Instinctively, Aizawa's arm pulls away like a hermit crab shrinking back into its shell, but Hizashi's got him held tight and just starts joyfully swinging their clasped hands like that was Aizawa's plan all along. I'll be fine, 
Itoshi says stonily as he looks back to the front. And Aizawa can sense a desire in the teen to prove himself. The twisted mental gymnastics that make what's about to happen next the sickest joke of all on the people who think of Hitoshi as a natural villain. Aizawa might hate it, but that doesn't mean he can't see it. Aizawa and Nazashi fall to the side as they reach the front doors, Hitoshi and his ma standing shoulder to shoulder. They might be the same height if Hitoshi's hair is subtracted from his ma's heels, but really what they look like is a matched set, especially by the identical looks of determination on their faces before they step into the fray. Aizawa knows for a fact they've fought worse monsters together for years. Hitoshi goes first, opening the door to hold open for his mother, and the noise level rises immediately, but only really starts to blare when Hitoshi steps into view to follow her out. Ah, oh, finally! Shinso Hitoshi! What do you have to say about your father's escape from prison? How long has he been cooperating with the Death Note killer? Is it true she broke him out of prison? That's his wife, isn't it? Hey, Mrs. Shinso, did you stand by your husband during the massacre? No, over here. Was Dr. Shinso a good lover? Is it true that he had a string of affairs? Watching through a one-way window as the door closes behind Hitoshi and Kiki, Aizawa only doesn't go after them to start throwing punches because Hizashi is still clenching his hand extremely firmly yanking on it every time he feels Aizawa twitch and try to pull away. Hitoshi and Kiki are crowded by the mob right away, microphones and cameras up close, signs waving in the back. Aizawa hates this so much. The sound dampened through the walls. Aizawa sees Hitoshi's lips moving, but can't quite make out the words. Probably something simple about answering questions but Aizawa can pick out the people who fall for it right away. Several journalists whose faces fall dead, dropping their equipment as they transform into henchmen who start to push the others back. Brute, brainwashed strength overpowering all else. It's all totally illegal, of course, but that's rather the point. So Hitoshi's playing the part, playing it almost too well, if anything because Aizawa gets the shivers off the collected look of focus on Hitoshi's face, eerily like his father, as he turns, unexpected, unwilling people into his drones. Fuck. Aizawa really hates this. Relax, Hizashi says, while Aizawa is still glaring out the front, resisting the urge to bark and scratch like a dog, despairing that its owner will never come back. They're gonna be all right. You don't know that. Aizawa returns sharply, and Hazashi squeezes his hand again. I don't, but you're gonna have to accept it anyway. Hazashi's right, like he always is, but that doesn't mean Aizawa's obligated to like it. In fact, that's right, he hates it. Just when Aizawa thinks he can't be any more sick to his stomach, Watching Hitoshi and Kiki stroll out through the bubble generated by four brain-bound journalists shoving their way clear, walking together in a perfectly empty circle, looking every bit the famous killer's wife and prodigal son. 
some kind of ruckus kicks off from the lair of the crowd that's made up more parts insane supporters than hungry media hounds. Aizawa can't tell what they say, just though he can see the signs being jabbed angrily in the air. Justice for the true victims! Or the even more disturbing, Dr. Shinso will set us free! Aizawa's money's on the trouble coming from Doc fans before the Shioko sympathizers, but his guess is as good as any. What Aizawa does see is the sudden dent made in the crowd of at least a dozen people staggering or dropping where they stand, which can only be because of Kiki's quirk lashing out with unbridled force. Aizawa can't quite feel it himself, this far away and not being the target, but he can seek out the supernova of mentalist energy coming off the two of them side by side, even through a crowd of people and soundproof wall of the police station. Watching Kiki bulldoze a path for her and Hitoshi to forge through the crowd, guarded on every corner by Hitoshi's undiscerning, obedient drones, Aizawa realizes more than ever exactly why Dr. Shinso remains so ardently devoted to his family.